morning, San Diego. <laughs> that was perfect right when we went live. What's up, guys? John Sentes here, Cass Kreitlow, Cutter Nation podcast number 98. We're creeping up on a hundo. Super exciting. I'm really happy uh, that we've been able to push you know, for more podcasts, found an easy platform to uh, do this, as well as connect with some of our, our fellow Instagram famous uh, instructors, like our, our man here, Juan Rivera from Antonelli Bell Baseball. Juan, how you doing, buddy? Uh, how's everything going? Uh, um, you want know, you introduce yourself to to our listeners on the, on the podcast and just let everybody know who you are. Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me on. I mean, uh, really, really cool for the invite. Famous, I would probably use that term loosely, but I'll I'll accept it. I'll accept it. But my name is Juan Rivera, as you see right there. I am the pitching coordinator for Antonelli Baseball. If you haven't seen anything about Antonelli Baseball. Uh, it's basically ran by Matt Antonelli, who is actually a former San Diego Padre. So you probably have some good clientele on your end that will follow the Padres. Former San Diego Padre, he decided to run his own program up here. And I got in connections with him and we've kind of hit it off since then. And that's basically what I've been doing. I've kind of been his right-hand man here for about three years at this point and cover everything pitching on his end. Uh, for his organization, but then I do a lot of things on my own, which he's been very kind to let me do that as well. So uh, that's kind of where, where I'm at at the moment. Right on. Where Where are you at right now? We are based in Danvers, Massachusetts, which is about 20, 25 minutes north of downtown Boston. So you're in the thick. You're oh, in the, the in the yeah, in the thick, like so. In it. Help, help me out. Help me out with uh, how that's going, you know, because over here in California, we've got some weird, different things going on right now. So, um, yeah. you know, could you help me with the timeline on how things are going, and then like where you're at right now, what phase you're in, and what's going on? Okay, so right now within the state, we're technically reopened, quote unquote, but there are still just a number of different regulations that we have to abide by. Uh, just to keep this kind of like baseball wise, like in order for me to coach, I still have to have a mask on. We still have to do the whole social distancing thing. Uh, there are certain towns that force players to wear masks, even like when they're hitting as well, which is, has caused a lot of issues on this end. Um, you, we have to have certain things like uh, hand sanitizer available at all times, social distancing within the dugout. Uh, we, as an organization, have set up tents outside of the dugout so we can abide by that as best as possible. Uh, but Massachusetts in particular, uh, we're definitely steer more towards the liberal side of things here. So I, I feel like it's in terms of the numbers and just COVID in general, it's doing okay. Uh, we're making all the right decisions as a state, particularly being so close to New York, where Yankee Stadium is legitimately three and a half hours from my apartment, right? I can, that's nothing, right? So particularly being so close to even like New Rochelle, which was a hotspot for a while, that's only like two and a half hours away. I feel like we've done good things in the state. It's just been really difficult, at least in my perspective, baseball wise, to really get things done properly. Um, still can't train inside. Everything has to be outside still. So it luckily we've had great weather so far since June has started. We've been able to be outside since June, the first Monday of June. So we've had really, really good weather. We've probably only gotten washed out, you know, less than a handful of times, which has been at least a huge blessing in terms of, of being able to work, train, play games, practice, all that type of stuff. But from March 17th, through the first Monday of June, it was basically shut down, 
stay at home advisory, can't do anything, public parks closed down, like nothing at all. You can basically only leave your house if you were getting quote unquote essentials. And I mean, that's basically grocery, pharmacy, and that, that was it. That was basically it. Yeah, not really. It's, it's similar to over here. You know, we opened and then we closed back down. We're back closed back down right now. And and uh, I'm, I'm just interested, you know, because I, I feel for you guys, especially, you know, you be you being up in the Northeast, you know, yeah. how much time do we have before weather becomes an issue? You know, it's going to be a problem. I, right? like, I truly believe it's going to be a problem. Like I, I'm very fearful of what's going to happen, you know, around here starting in November. Right. We basically have all of September, all of October ahead of us. Um, and then to take this into like the business sense, it's like my my girlfriend makes fun of me because I'm like hoarding money like legitimately just hoarding money because it's like, I don't, I potentially, since I'm self-employed, right? Potentially, I may not have anything to do from November 1 through March 30th, right? Like nothing. So I'm preparing for that to the best of my ability right now, but I am like inside, um, pretty pessimistic of how the winter is gonna be in the Northeast. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I, I hear you. I, it's, it's interesting, you know, cause I see a lot of, um, you know, I see so much of what's happening, uh, you know, with your situation and where it's going to go and the inside outside, like we're saying is, is how do you do, you know, the inside part without a clear understanding of what's happening, how we deal with it, you know, and right. I'm just not seeing a unified message with anything. It's just so broad and vague with what's happening. So I feel for yeah. you, man, because uh, man, oof. it's tough. Um, the, the nice, like the nice part about this state at least in particular, it's like, here are the rules, follow them, that's it. So it's like kind of straightforward, this is what we're doing and you just work with it. And um, at least for me, as you know, I, I own my own business and I'm with Matt who also owns his business, having those just strict, like this is what it is, it at least gives you that lead time to start thinking of you know, more creative ways to bring in revenue to the business um, and still supply a product, a good product to our clients, which, you know, baseball wise. Yeah. Yeah. So what, is, what are some of the ways that you've kind of, you know, adapted uh, over there? And, and what, you know, I, I know that you probably can't see your guys in the same situations. You know, um, you are, I see you are able to get on the field a little bit sometimes and, yeah. you know, throw off a mound, but what else, what's up, what else are you doing? So, you know, like I said, ever since the first Monday in June, it's been pretty normal. Like you just kind of have to abide by uh, certain rules, but being able to get onto the field is was fine uh, up to that time. Uh, just like everybody on social, I tried to do the whole virtual training thing, which personally like was not for me at all. Like I am like eyes on you, break you down type person. And um, it was at least very difficult for me at the very beginning to do the whole virtual thing until I sat down and said, well, the best way to do a virtual thing, at least in my opinion, is to program it. Um, so I, I decided to program it because I'm a very, I have a very individualistic mindset when it comes to athletes, uh, where sometimes I go into sessions where I don't really have a plan. It's like your body tells me, what do we got to do today? You know what I mean? So the whole virtual thing really took me for a loop. Um, but that was really like step one. Outside of that, I really tried to communicate and touch as many people as possible through Instagram, YouTube, any type of social media, you name it. 
I, that was like my number one goal. Even if it ended up being free, I just thought the more free info and the more free conversations I can give out from March to June is going to play in the future. Um, so that's kind of like, that was my mindset going in. Yeah, that's we totally had a similar thing. We were just talking, um, you know, we're doing once a week podcast. We're doing four or five a week for months, two months or something like that. For right? sure, so, for sure. Um, just with the same exact idea. And I'm looking back, I'm like, dude, this was such a blur. We had like, we had Eugene Bleeker on after we had somebody else on. And it was like, we just sat back and listened to Bleeker just tell us how it was. And I haven't even listened to it. It's like, we have so much content. Um, I, had a, I had a guy, uh, John doesn't even know this. We had a, somebody approach us um, the other day, came in and checked out the what we're doing and called me up. And he's like, I don't know that I want, I'm able to financially do it as much as possible but what what can I do with limited time at your space? I'm like, I'm having this conversation all the time. We have 98 episodes of, hey, of podcasts, it's awesome. right? Right? It's and, awesome. and I heard Robbie Rowe talking about it yesterday, you know, uh, whatever his post was where he was going on a rant, how these kids just ask him questions, like, how do I throw harder? What do you mean, how do I throw harder? Look at one of my posts, right? And right. so it, it, it also is... <laughs> Right. So there's an unbelievable amount of information out there right now, a lot of really good information. And I think the hardest part is that there's a ton of really good information. And that's that's probably the only it's only a part. But it allows, you know, I'm going to throw this idea out there because I've thought about this and I don't know how much it gets into the baseball world. But I'm a huge Jordan Peterson fan. Everybody hears me talk about it. And he's talked about creating something that certifies you um, through your views on YouTube. So like there would be some sort of um, every single YouTube thing that you would watch, right? The goal would be to have some sort of, hey, how did you comprehend this, right? Just like what yeah. the AR tests and when you're reading, did you guys have to do that as a kid? No, I never did, but I know exactly yeah, you what had, you're talking about. Yeah, you had to read a book and you have a five question test after it if you got it, right? And it's like the same exact thing. Did you have, do you display competence in this conversation right now? And, and to be able to compile that, I mean, I, one of the questions I was going to ask you is like, what are some of your influences, right? And so we, we've created our ability to have an influence on people by just continuously putting out content, 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 right? right. And we're, if you're following us, you can hear that message, right? But anyway, I'll throw it back to you. Like, who, who are some of these people that were, were influencing your conversation, whether it was 10, 10 years ago and who taught you this? or whether it's who's informing your opinions now? Oh, for sure. That, that's actually like a really loaded question. And my answer is like incredibly broad because I have so many conversations throughout the day. I like try to absorb so much from everybody. That's like, that's always been like my mindset, just to kind of like be a sponge where like I can't directly point at somebody and be like, that's my inspiration or a handful of people, right? Most of us have four or five people that we can- Is there like a timeline? Like, a timeline of like when like, this began. Like, so for example, I always say like uh, Ron Wolferth, I was coached Ron Wolferth stuff in college. That was the first time I realized that I was being trained a certain way, right? And then I got on the top velocity train and I'm educated myself on what driveline is doing, right? And yeah. like I can, core velocity belt, like I just keep on building on it like that. But those Yeah, just add the layers on there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I would say like when I was 14, my high school coach was the first guy that I said in my own head like, holy smokes, like this is it, 
right? Like this is it. And then how can I add the layers on top of it? And it's just really just listening uh, to as many people as possible, whether you like them or not. Like you just have to stay, in my opinion, you just gotta stay here. I'm the type of person that's never like super high or super low. And I just, I love listening and absorbing. And I get made fun of sometimes because I'll just shut up and, and not say a word for an hour. And they're like, do you have anything to say? I'm like, uh, 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 no, actually, that was awesome. Whatever you guys just did over the last 45 minutes. Like, I'm just like taking, taking it all in. And I love, like, I'm a weirdo. I love different genres. I like talking to yoga instructors and I like talking to health and fitness people. And I like talking to doctors and I'll like, I'll talk any subject at all and always try to drive it back into baseball. Like for instance, I, I went on this kick at least during the stay at home advisory where I reached out to yoga instructors for like basically a full month and I did zoom lessons with them. And in my mind, I said, okay, I'm going to go through these motions and movements and every movement that I went through, I said, now, can I throw from this movement? And like, that's, I, I Cass, I, I follow you. You do the whole uh, jump rope thing, right? That whole like body flow aspect of just life and just being a human being in general, um, you're taking, you're taking jump rope and you're somehow blending this into how I can become a better pitcher, right? That's how, how at least I perceive it when you post stuff like that. Spot on. Um, yeah. And like, I do, I, I love doing like that. So like, I don't have like one person if and this is this may come off sappy. If there is one person, it is one trillion million percent my parents. Period. End of story. Like it is my parents. Uh, the relationship they have with each other. They they've been in love and married my entire life. So I'm very fortunate there. And just the inspiration that they give me to just kind of provide that to like my daughter, and then even trickle that into my players. Uh, they're by far my number one. After that, it's just a big blend of a million people just coming right into the dome piece. That's basically it. Coming right into the dome piece. That's that was awesome. good. Yeah. By the way, I do not jump the rope, right? That would yeah, you can't. I, I, I've like, I've stared at it. So let me explain like, it. Yeah, I was, was, was going to say, I'm, yeah. I'm, I was I'm just about to say, you need to sit, you need to sit back for a second because he's about to, <laughs> he's about to. Get the notepad not. out. Get the notepad out. Should I? Should I? Go, should I get ropes, John? Sure, man. I'll, I'll fill okay. in. Go grab your. Go grab the. Yeah, rope. yeah. I, I, I think it's fascinating because I don't. Okay, know what so, to... so it's the Weck method. This is a guy named okay. um, David Weck. We've had him on. We've had him on the podcast. He talks about movement. He's got a, a sick gym in downtown San Diego, um, but he's just all about body flow, movement, energy, free space momentum, yep. locomotion. He, he comes it down to locomotion, right? And if you look at locomotion okay. and how movement patterns go into it, then you can really see that it creates, like you, you can see the start and stop of energy, right? Where when energy comes through, you're putting the ropes around your body. If you have the ropes on this side of your body, your body actually counterbalances on its own because of its yep. own balance system to the opposite part of the foot on the outside. So it's just a thing where you start learning how to balance inside of locomotion and you, you can see massive things. Sorry, guys. I'm I'm, I'm, oh, it is. I'm going to go is. up and down because it's And you should have seen. It doesn't do it, Cass. It doesn't do it that way. Oh, it doesn't do it that way? Okay. No, no. All right. Okay. So if you jump the rope, okay, you go up when the rope goes down. Okay. And when you don't jump it, you go down with the rope. 
like you would if you were going to run somewhere, right? So when I'm running, I should be putting weight into my legs with my upper half, right? So it's this breathe down into your leg and use, because there's a recoil there, right? So if you just relax yeah. your shoulders down, they come back up. So you time that movement and the ropes and the WEC method propulsors like inform the body how to do this. So, and then once you like understand where the loops, like the figure eights are, right? This is hitting, right? Yeah. This is hitting and then this is throwing, right? Just an overhand pattern. So if we go here, I can time and play with figure eights around my body. It's also really helping me like understand opening and closing my shoulders. So if you just do an overhand pattern like this, most players are going to do it like this. And also, by the way, every single time I give them a rope and I say, do an underhand pattern, they watch me and they do an overhand pattern. I would say like nine out of 10 guys. Oh, that's it's interesting. Easy. So it's, it's, think of all of the levels of this, right? I can, if you get good at this skill, right? So I'm to the point where I know where the rope is. I think I have all the, the tricks, even though I'm fumbling right now, but I have most of the idea. So I can break it down as a coach. I understand what I'm trying to do for them. They just need to put in the reps and the movement will start to reveal itself. Like that's the whole point is you just discover where these lines are. And it's no different than discovering where your arm should be when you throw, right? So you're creating a level, you're mapping the body with these, with these tools. And there's an infinite number of ways that you can do a figure eight around your body, right? And that's movement in general, right? So, you know, we, we see people comparing it to, you know, the javelin throw, right? We have the comparisons of golf and tennis and it's like, Hey, like, I just relate to, like you already said, like anything. anything. I can draw a parallel it, it with fascinates anything because it's I, all the same things. And that's I why the rope is so agree. fun. Go ahead. I, I remember the first year I was with Matt, he would like look at me when we're doing private sessions. And he's like, that is the wackiest pitching session I've ever effing seen. And like, just the, just how I, you as well are the same boat. I feel like, and this is why I like following like your content in particular is because you kind of have that wacky type of, Hey, that looks cool. How can I put that into pitching? You know, it's like, I, I have the same type of mindset. And I just remember him looking at me. That was the coolest, weirdest, wackiest thing I've seen. I can't believe it worked. I'm like, Oh, you know, I learned it from X, Y, and Z. And I felt like when I was learning it, I said, wow, I can definitely correlate this into pitching. Let's freaking do this thing. And I think it that, also it helps stimulate the players' minds too, like bringing different stuff like that in there. So it's not this monotonous type of atmosphere, particularly for the kids who may not be like super primetime elite kids. Um, those kids like need stuff like this. I think everybody needs stuff like this, but the like we have players, I'm sure you have players as well, who come in, have a great baseline, are super focused, and you can give them the most mundane workout and they're going to be freaking laser focused in that and get it done. But then you get kids who have a, a lesser baseline and they just need to move better and, and do different things better. And you have to get their body moving in different ways, adding weird, what, what is conventionally weird things totally. like that into their routine is going to pay so many dividends down the line. In my opinion, I say it all the time. It's the biggest issue I have, right? Because I, this isn't cool looking. This isn't like, 
this doesn't get them going like boom. But I mean, this is the th fun thing about it is it gets me like I'm showing them emotion through their movement. I'm like, do you understand what this does when you see somebody do that? Think of what you think about when I walk up to you, staring into your soul, rolling my shoulders in an underhand pattern. Like, you know that that looks completely different than this guy. Hi, how's yeah. it going? Right? It's, it's oh, for sure. so I love it. helpful for them to make these connections. And, and I was just making this comment the other day. I literally just said this last night. I, I haven't had kids for a long period of time. Right. And this is where our model, I want kids to, I want the country club stuff. I want them to be there, yeah. like live at our place for years because the things that I can deal. bring people take a long time to develop. Right. That, this awareness, the emotional, cognitive, psychological yeah. awareness that we can bring to kids. I need time with them. Yeah, that that's a big deal. Um, I do second that. I, th I think I'm very fortunate to have been here for three years where it's like basically the same 200 players every year, you know, and like 200. we might at, yeah, we have about like 200 to 220, somewhere in that window. And then you sprinkle in, you know, new kids every year, like some, I, I'm just going to make up a number, 10% players leave. We get a new batch of 10% coming sure. in, you know, just that typical transition. But um, just to back what you're saying, the, biggest benefit that I have is that after these two years that they're with me, when I bring the weirdest, wackiest, most insane things that they think is weird, they trust me. They're like, okay, yeah. like they just trust. They're like, coach Juan has told me X, Y, and Z in the past. It's been weird. It's worked. So I'm going to take this weird stuff. I'm going to apply it too. You know, but yeah, ha having those guys there for a long period of time is very beneficial. That trust factor and the, the human aspect of just trusting what's in front of you uh, is yeah. is big. Well, and and I'm thinking about um, I'm think I'm really I feel like I'm always trying. So I I feel like we are always trying to put ourselves in their perspective. I hear John just saying yesterday, I want to give them what I do not have, right? And I want them to realize what they have and what they can do. And, and as soon as I start talking about, hey, we're going to do these ropes and I see the defenses come up and I see how they handle these things because they're uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to learn these new things, right? But I also recognize that that is so critical to their development. Introducing new stimulus into their training is so, is so important. And you think about, okay, what happens to really young children? right? Everything is new now, 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 now. Everything is a brand new experience. Um, you know, so it's like you're, you by 10 years old, have your parents cut you up on all of their favorite movies that are not rated R yet. Right? <laughs> Can like the, seriously those things. Right. Yeah. And it's like, that is, that starts waning as soon as they become self-conscious, as soon as they're like, Oh, that girl's cute. Wait, what I like, right. Or that guy's cute, whatever it is. Right. And it's like that self-consciousness starts making you scared of learning new things. And it's so freaking obvious. And it's hard for me to not get jacked up about it. Cause I'm like, bro, you got to get this right now. This is so critical for you. Cause if this is levels beyond this, right? If you understand how to do the ropes and you understand how to do the pulsers, then you don't need the ropes and you don't need the pulsers and you don't need me coaching you. Right. And so that's right. like my ultimate goal is I was going to say this earlier. And then I think I can jump off my soapbox here, but 
I'm a communication major. I have a degree in communicating. Okay. And, and I recognize just how poor we all typically communicate. Right. And so I can have the best intentions. I can say it so perfectly. Right. But they might be having a bad day and they're distracted by something else. Yeah. Right. And, 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 and rightfully so. Right. Because life happens and real things are on people's minds that they're dealing with. Right. And so every kid that comes to me, I don't want to fill that stress and anxiety up. I want to take out of that bucket. Right. And so if me talking to them is adding to that, I want to find as many ways as possible to not do that. Right. And so my training, it's my goal is to be able to create programs that kids learn and then I can walk away from and watch them ask me questions. No, right? I love watch it. them yeah. ask for, for feedback. So, and they feel comfortable and confident to do that, right? That they don't need me by their side all of the time telling them what to do, right? They, they, they can think on their own. So. No, that's, that's, I a hundred percent agree. I think one of the biggest problems in like today's world, at least baseball wise, is that a kid will have a bad outing and he'll say, He'll go run right to his parents and say, I need to go see Johnny Cass. Like, I need to go see Johnny Cass after a bad outing. They have a good outing, doesn't cross their mind, right? But they have a bad outing. And it's like, it, like, ultimately, I want you coming to me as like a checkup. Like, is everything moving great? All right, cool. Like, it's like a, that, like a doctor's checkup, just to make sure everything's clicking properly. That's like the ultimate goal. Obviously, it takes years to get there. But um, yeah, th I think that's the biggest problem nowadays that kids will have a bad outing and then automatically just, I need to go do a lesson with whoever that person is. I just need to go do one, you know? Right. It's having the sense of urgency forever and then having a big, you know, big long picture. Um, For sure. You know, John, John talks about often how long it takes to just get going. Um, I, I always think of Joe Rogan talking about just being in shape. He's like, once you get over 30 or once you get over 40, if you get out of shape, it is so unbelievably uncomfortable to get back in shape. It's like, don't do it. Just stay in shape. And it's the yeah. same exact thing for arm health. It's so uncomfortable to get your arm back in shape. But once you just are consistent with it, it's so easy to keep it going, right? Like it, it really is. Agreed. And we've all, we've all had these moments where we're like, gosh, my arm has felt good for months and months and months and months. And all but basketball is coming up. I'm going to take some time off. Or you know, I was, I was a multi-sport athlete. So I had a lot of kids and I'm from the middle of nowhere. I had kids who just like didn't want to play baseball. It's all the time. Um, what, what do you, speaking of, what do you tell kids? Uh, like, how would you answer this question? I had a, a kid who's a quarterback. He's like, what should I do during football? Should I continue to throw a baseball or should I just focus on football? He's a quarterback. What do you tell the quarterback? Man, there are like a, ton of variables that come into play there uh a lot of just right on top of my head schedule is the first thing that pops in my head is it do you have a schedule is it formulated is it structured to the point that you know that every monday through saturday this is what's going to happen no matter what and if you really have a passion for football then we work around that if your passion is baseball then you have put like i just like football i'm playing for fun but yes we need to throw a freaking baseball you know, so I think goal setting is very important when it comes to, to that conversation with a kid. And that's kind of like the first thing that I ask them is, is, well, you know, what's your goal baseball wise? And then we try to take their goal baseball wise and weigh it with their goal football wise and then work from there and try to individualize what we're going to do with that kid. And again, other variables, size, 
Here, let me uh, let me add one history. variable. So I, I assume that because they're a quarterback, that they're going to be pretty committed to to football. Like assume that this kid is a the starting quarterback on his varsity football team. So like yeah. he's got to be invested. So I'm talking about like okay, we have this this weird world where I love baseball, I love football. I'm really good at quarterback, but I'm dominant on the mound. I'm Jameis Winston. What do I yeah. do? Well, if he's physically fit enough, we have to find the windows to still get our baseball stuff in. You know, if we're talking about, a, in my opinion, but if we're talking about a 14, 15 year old kid who may not have the motor skills or the strength and conditioning to to sustain both a, a football and baseball workout or training, then we, we would have to just figure it out and kind of, that's the, probably the type of kid you push towards the weight room. Be like, okay, fantastic. It's okay to t- tell a 14 year old the, I think it's okay to tell a 14 year old, like, okay, just screw baseball for right now. Like get yourself conditioned enough where in the future we can start doing multiple things at once. Um, but it, it, it is a difficult conversation to have, but I think size, uh, weight, height, injury, history there are a lot of things that come into play on what you're going to do with that one in particular kid and passions goal settings also kind of play into it personally yeah i like that john i I guess i guess no i was just i was just listening because i'm a florida state fan so i actually know what Jameis winston did i i actually know that he threw he threw bullpens on sundays yeah, you got to find those windows, right? You have to find yeah. those windows. He would literally, yeah, if they were on the road or whatever, team flies back Saturday night, Sunday morning, and he would throw a late bullpen on Sunday night. Yeah. Just beat no. up. Just, just beat up and just just to do it. Because we yeah, know, I, I mean, know. even though he's throwing a football, right, a football throw and a baseball throw are very similar but also very different, right? It's a whole different timing mechanism to what's going on, you know? And, I mean, you don't, you don't go from a football season – and then straight into a baseball season. And yeah, you, I'm, I'm sure because he's throwing every day, so arm strength and feels up and everything, but there's no way he's locating or spinning his slider at max efficiency, yeah. you know, like, like he should. So you have to retain the skill. It's what, you know, Cass and I talk about this all the time. Like these skills are so hard to master. This is why every day, and to your point on the schedule, has to be the priority. You have to be able to understand how to do this every day. Because if you can't throw every day, right, then the skill does not come fast enough. If you're going to a pitching coach, if you're going to our man Juan here once a week, and that's all you're doing, that is the most minimum of lazy thing that you could possibly do if you call yourself a pitcher. You know what I do with those kids? I stop taking them. <laughs> I just, I literally, I stop scheduling them. If I, I ask every kid, every session, every time, what have you done over the last six days? And if I find that there's a pattern that he's just coming here once a week, like that's not invigorating to me and I need to find a new client. And I just, I flat out say it that way. And I don't say it to be mean. And I don't say it to be a dink, but like, I want to enjoy being at work. And if I, if I feel like we're taking steps back and we have to regain things that we did a week ago, like go find somebody new to go. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah, I was you just going to ask serious. between do, do either of you think there's ever a reason why we should not like be in a state of gaining velocity? Like, is there any reason why we should lose velocity from the age of eight to 18? I mean, go ahead, Juan. Cause I have any, any reason to, that's a good question. I mean, 
the the first thing that comes into my mind is my aggressive like heck no what the hell are you talking about you know what i mean but like i am a never say never type of human being it's like is there one circumstance that it would help but like i can't like velo just plays right it just plays at the end of the well, day not only that it's so hard to stay at a top end performance you know what i mean like yeah i've li- i have not stopped throwing in 11 years like just and I never planned. I was telling Cass the other day. I was wondering was when the I'm clock throw was going to tick over because that's <laughs> yeah, right? for a minute. Yeah, we're getting close. You know, we're in this summer, but you know, it's. I, I said the other day, I'm going to throw 90 till I'm 40, just because like I'm just tired of people saying that this thing's so dangerous to do. Because like, no, it's not. No, it's not. Uh, I had I had this conversation with a parent the other day. Jimmy, you know I literally hours because since we're outside, I have to throw with the client now. I threw for 22 hours last week. 22 hours like i just threw now my intensity did did it vary yeah of course i going from a 11 year old to a pro guy to a 17 year old to a 14 year old it may vary but like the the parent thought i was nuts i'm like that like i i'm just still a believer the more you do it the more accountable you are to keep yourself in the shape to do it as well the better off you're going to be and like injury free and i'm a tommy john guy and like looking back at, at that Tommy John, um, that when I got it and looking back at how I threw and what I was doing, I was doing so many things incorrectly. So many things, like I was a ticking time bomb. You know what I mean? And now that I have much better awareness of my mind, body, spirit, uh, how I wanna structure routines for my personal body, how I wanna structure my throwing program for me personally, like. I'm like all the, I threw B, Matt, Matt makes fun of me all the time. It doesn't make fun of me. He's always just like, how are you throwing BP to like 35 guys? I'm like, this is piece of cake. Like I just have a good <laughs> understanding of what I want to accomplish with every feed that I give these kids from 45 feet. But I'm with you. The more you throw, like I, I'm kind of on the same boat. Like I, I'm not 90, but like I, I want to be, you know, 85 plus I'm 32 and I hit 88 off the bump two weeks ago at 32 years old at a boy at a boy you know what i mean and it's because you just do it you just freaking do it yeah yeah exactly yeah i'm I'm with you i'm 34 topped out at 93 a couple weeks ago so you know it's it is what it is you know okay so 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 we have a a kid and this is like i could i'm talking about a specific kid in my head but like this story is i've had we've had tons of these right like yeah my elbow is really uncomfortable right now mris are clean um, but I just can't figure it out. And I'm over here going, it's your motion. If you keep on practicing at a lower intensity, you're going to figure it out. But it's so hard to convince people like this. Right? I like agree. even like, what, yes. What, what are you telling people that are like, like, I, I, I don't know. I don't even know how to have this conversation correctly. Cause I, I get so jacked up right no, away. No, I get it. Like, I, so trust fat, like I, again, back to just being fortunate with the organization I work for, like trust factor is, is big where the more kids that get to come work with me privately, the more the parents talk about my kid's arm has never felt better. So then the kids who do have those stories are more willing to just dive headfirst into what I'm trying to get them to do. You know what I mean? Um, And like, you know, Matt having the YouTube presence that he has, like I even get kids from uh, like I got kids from Chicago and kids from Hawaii who was flown in just to, like work and like 
they just they just trust it. The second they trust you, like forget it, it's over with. They'll they'll dive head first. But again, having being fortunate enough to have those clients already talking to the other 200 players definitely plays in my favor because there's very little convincing I have to do uh, on my end. But again, try, and I, I get that it's difficult. Like I totally get that it's difficult when kids are coming in and out. You may see different kids this week, that week, this, that, and the fifth. And like, it's hard to get another human being to trust in what you're trying to tell them when they believe that their elbow is going to explode. Right. So like, what's some of the protocol though, that you take them through to like help them see that they're not going to die. Oh yeah. <laughs> the, the first thing, the first thing we do, we do like a movement screen for them. Um, we take our camera, a slow-mo camera and we're like, we do the movement screen with them. And like, I asked them like, Hey, just throw as hard as you're comfortable with that first day. Um, whatever you're comfortable. Like, I don't care. I don't even give them a target. I just give them a giant screen. I'm like, just effing throw. And I, I put them through a couple constraint drills. And I put them through a couple like movement things, um, shuffles, double shuffles, uh, different different things, depending on the player. Some of these kids aren't pitchers either. Um, and then we just sit down in front of the TV and I tell them like that there, whatever that is, like I'm willing to bet that's why our elbow hurts a ton. I'm like, if we attack that, if you just trust me for the next two to four weeks to just attack that motion there, I promise you'll feel a little bit better. And then if we keep getting bigger and stronger, then that a little bit is going to layer into being a lot of bit better. And I just, I try to look them directly in the face with conviction and like, this is the plan. If you trust the plan, let's start tomorrow. And typically, like I, I very rarely get a no. Um, but like, if they're pessimistic about it, I like, we don't even start. I just tell them, okay, then you go home, you think about it. You can take as much time as you want, but this is what I diagnose. This is the process that I want to take. And the second that you start trusting it, let's freaking just do it and get to work. Most kids respond well to, and that's basically verbatim how I say it. And most kids kind of respond well to that. And they just say, okay, let's try it out. And they, they just do it. And I'm constantly asking them, like, how does that feel? How does that feel? What did you feel there? Um, is there pain? Is there no pain? What do you think moved first? Like, if there's a sequencing issue or whatever, like, do, what do you think moved first? What did you feel? This, that, and the other. And uh, we try to do video. I mean, depending on the guy, most kids, we're going to do video every 10 to 15 throws for that first, like, week period to, like, kind of see what we're doing is working. Um, because I do believe in a lot of like tension work, adding tension, whether it's plyo balls, med balls, uh, resistance bands, like you, you name it. We have the core velocity bell. Like we got, I got every freaking gadget in the book. Um, but we try to slow it down, especially in the first two to four weeks to make, give them the visual of, okay, so apparently that worked, whatever we just did over the last 30 minutes is working. So let's keep hammering that home. And then tomorrow, I want you to be super thoughtful. I want you to wake up and I want you to really think, deeply think, how does my body feel? And I need you to tell me. And I like, I try to make it as imperative as possible. Like, like coach, and I'll get texts at, at seven in the morning. Coach, I feel like this. Because I, I kind of make them feel like they need to do it big time, you know, to like, and they just follow through and they just, they just do it. But in my opinion, being direct, um, 
no BS, especially with the parent there, like no BS, like this is what it is. This is my plan. And if you trust it and I say it with conviction, like this is what I want to do for you and your son. And they just typically they just go for it and we just do it. Uh, what what is it like? What tell me a little bit more about like the program you have? Like, how do people exist? I don't in have the Antonelli one baseball program. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. So like, uh, just the program, the Antonelli baseball in general, like what it is. Well, yeah. So uh, like, do you have our, our when you're talking about this four week plan? Is this a lesson plan? And then it's like with the because like the thing that we've talked about is like you guys have teams, right? Yeah. Yeah. So these kids are playing on your teams that you're doing lessons with. Yeah, I would say about 80% of the people that come in to train are, are Antonelli guys. Okay, and so what is it? So their their schedule is also going to be syncing up with their lessons. Yes? Uh, yes, correct. Yep. Yeah, so talk, talk about that because what, what, I'm, what I'm trying to allude to is like people need – you already talked about having like an, a very like specific schedule, and this is what it, people need to be planning on, right? So like if – like a lot – we're not offering a team right now. Right. And a lot of people are yeah. offering a team, but they're not offering the lesson. Right. So a lot of people aren't marrying these things on purpose. Yeah. You got to do both right? together. So, yeah. so it's like a tournament is going to take over. Like, why not just say ahead of time, hey, I'm always going to be doing lessons on Tuesdays and Thursdays. You can expect me for this. Right. You don't have to deal with that when you're doing that. So tell me a little bit more about that experience with, with okay, your so, guys' players. So we start, we start uh, the first week after Thanksgiving and then we end. Typically, we would end this week, but with what's going on, we're going later this time. But a typical year will be, let's just say, for easy dates, December 1 through August 14th. That's a, a typical year. December 1 through mid-March, our high school guys will be like super duper structured. And all we're trying to do is get them be better, whichever that individual is. We're trying to get them better. We train, we practice team practices for a high school team, we practice Sunday, Thursday. So we already know that going into it. Um, and then the pitcher onlys will structure their schedule around knowing that they're gonna practice Sunday and Thursday. Um, sometimes we may have a case that a kid is going be to benefit more with the private stuff versus the team stuff. So we'll just be like, don't ever worry about coming Thursdays because that's going to be a waste of time for you. You're not going to develop as quickly um, because you're so far behind on certain things that you need my eyeballs or whoever's eyeballs on you more often. Um, and then once March hits, they just go play their high school season. There's no Antonelli baseball during high school season. Uh, it's like the last thing we want them to worry about. And it's really difficult to structure a schedule for them at that point anyways because high school coaches are changing their minds left and right on when games are going to be practices, this and the other. So we just let them do that. And the most difficult time to structure, uh, put in lessons in a schedule is now during games, because for instance, uh, our 14 U's have games on Saturday, Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, probably no time for a lesson at that point. So at that point we have this giant like spreadsheet that everybody can look at and I'll type in an individual pitcher, be like, okay, this pitcher, his pitch count is 85. If he gets to that point, then two days later, I need him to do this, that, and the other with his team because I can't touch everybody during this time period um, because I have my own teams to, to worry about. So every coach has like this document that they're able to access and it's up to them to bring it to the games. 
we got a PO. He throws 85 pitches. He has his routine at the end of the 85 pitches. He goes, he goes and does it. And the most difficult part here is now just the accountability piece of it is the expectation of having coaches follow through through it and then having the player also do it as well, um, which I think is the most difficult thing with most of our high school guys is the accountability piece. Because even Monday, Thursday, two private sessions in between, that's four out of seven days. What the hell are we doing the other three days? And then those sessions are 90 minutes to two and a half hours as well. Like that's not enough. So we've gotten into a partnership kind of like you guys where there's a weight room um, somebody owns a gym underneath us and we have guys like filtering in and out of the weight room coming up to hit or pitch and stuff like that. So that's worked out well on our end too. Um, but that I think John hit this as well. Like the, the schedule thing is vital. Like it is just absolutely vital. And then the next piece is to just be accountable and do it. Just effing do it because there are, there's a lot of info out there with a lot of good coaches but what's it worth if you're not being accountable and doing it? Totally. We, we talk about the every day and what actually every day means. And, and most players don't put it together. It takes a long time for, for an athlete to actually become serious about one thing in particular. You know, they're, they're told to spread their interests so far. And I was obsessed with baseball. It was not it was a problem. You know, yeah. but in the same sense, you know, it was on TV every day. You know, we didn't have DVR or anything like that. So you just you had to catch the game live. And I just my dad and I just we just didn't miss games. And so I just remember, you know, watching, you know, the the Braves of the 90s, the Cubs, like all of these games and just being like, wow, like, you know, and, and even thinking like, well, you know, outfielders play every day pretty much. So like they got to throw every day. So like, why wouldn't you throw every day? I just never put it together. And, and I don't think I even had it figured out till after I got hurt too. You know, I, I broke my elbow. I had an uh, invulsion fracture in my elbow my senior year of college. No, oh, um, and nice. had two surgeries um, in three years and then came back and got all the way back to 96. So, you know, it, when it comes to throwing and the reason why I haven't stopped throwing in 11 years is because of the break of what happened. And just like you were saying before, where, you know, um, you, you have to be able to feel what feels right. You know, your body yeah. tells you, you know, pain is, is the number one indicator to what, you know, is right or wrong to me. If it doesn't feel good, you probably did something wrong, you no, know, and normally totally if it doesn't feel good, it's not normally accurate and it's not normally fast. We know that pain takes away feel and strength. It's just kind of what these people drop all the time, you know, when, when you hit a nerve in their shoulder or something, right? You see them react to it. And so like these reactions of, of things are, you know, like, like you were saying, it's fear and not understanding of what you're doing. And so when you can get on a routine and you can start working on these movement patterns and really dial down in every day, then you can actually do some pretty special stuff over the long run. If you really no, totally hammer agree. some of these ideas. You know, and so, um, you know, with these ropes, with some of these other ideas that we've started coming up with recently, I just love seeing, you know, th these guys fall in love with these ideas where they actually see these things that are obtainable, like throwing 90 miles an hour, like throwing 95, like having nasty cutters and sliders and all the other things. And they start saying like, wow, OK, you know, this being good at this thing is actually something that I can do. So oh, for sure. Somebody was just asking me this morning do, if I'm a GOTA guy. 
is I like Light Goda. And are you familiar with one? I'm not. Um, I don't even know what the acronym is, but it's basically another like greatest athletes of all time. And then they're studying that and mimicking movement based on how the best move. And I always, always said this. I'm like, and I don't know that I could articulate it this way, but um, the idea of like, I'm going to jump like Michael Jordan. I'm just not going to go as high as him. And part of the reason is that I actually wasn't jumping like him, but that's the point. I'm going to try to jump like the best people that move that way. And um, I just don't, I, I think it's so so common for people to get a message that it's, it's so much harder than that, right? Like, like Mike Trout just, came out of the womb like that it's no like the things that that kid did as a young 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 boy like he's not sitting around right so yes he moves unbelievably well but he still had to condition himself to do it right he still had to do it like a nut right um we have a little kid that goes by mini trout and he i I would be very surprised if he's not one of the better athletes in california because he doesn't stop moving Right. The kid is just nonstop swing, 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 throw, 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 jump, swim, everything, you know? And it's like, I see a lot of people that that's not how their family is. That's not how their parents are. And so they don't get this movement outside of the sports that they're in. And it's like, you don't need to get more training half the time. You just need to have movement be a part of your life. Right. Can I just like expand on that kind of randomly? Please. Just just pop in my head. So I don't know if you guys know, I have a 17 month daughter. Right. She's 17 months and I have no restrictions at all. She wants to climb the bed, freaking climb it. She wants to go up the stairs. I want her to climb up the stairs. We don't have any type of cages or any type of blockades in the home at all because both her mother and I want her to, because her mother was an athlete, a college athlete too. We just want her to like move. So she does some of the most reckless things you'll ever do. And for any parent watching this, like I'm right there, like ready to catch her just in case, you yeah. know what I mean? So it's not like I'm just letting her just run rampant around the apartment, but she loves her queen size bed. Loves it. Loves it. So, you know, every time she does a checkup and every time she meets a new person, one of the first things we hear from people were like, are holy smokes. Like she's so strong. She moves so well for eight. Like what is happening? I'm like, we just don't stop her. We don't put any restrictions on her. What in her mind, she says, I want to climb that. And we just freaking let her do it. How we old was let she her do she it. started walking? Uh, 10 months. Yeah, that's cr- my mom. My mom always brags about me. She's like, Cass started walking at 10 and a half months. Ten and months. then I started. Yeah, it was probably so, that, 10 and a half. Yeah. Yeah. So I did. I also, I started biking without training wheels at my mom's said 18 months. Like, I'm like, that's, that's, that the, that's the weirdest thing I've ever heard. Like people, well, she started like, doing this one thing. She started doing this one thing where she can reach a handle. She she started doing this at about six months. She can reach a handle, pull herself up, stand up, and then she just fall down on her butt. And she'll freaking just do it again and fall down on her butt. And we just stared at her and we're like, well, if first of all, as a parent, if that's going to take up an hour of our time, like her doing that on her own, like, God bless. But like, but little things like that, like most parents, and I, I might be... Uh, wrong here but most parents wouldn't let their kids like just hang on a drawer right now i'm there but she wants to hang on a drawer at six months she can hang on a drawer at six months but we're starting to see it like really come into fruition how well she's able to move like laterally up and down and like 
she's becoming more bold too with now jumping. Like she's starting to get the jumping process where she's like coming up into her calf and then coming down into her heel. And just like, you can tell that it's getting into her mind. Like, okay, I'm about to jump. Like I'm very close. <laughs> so like, just to kind of say what you're saying there, kind of expand hey, on it and, and, in a weird and, way. And like, this is we what's just so fun. Let her go. Yeah, yeah, the the ropes, you find this thing where talking about the jump, where you're like, you she knows it's right there. She's like, Oh yeah. Oh, oh, there it is. Yeah. I can and it's the same thing with the ropes as you see people do the ropes and you're like, huh? And then you start doing it yourself and you're like, oh, there it is. And you find like I just I've done a forward sneak. Like I've known how to do it for almost two months. And like two days ago, I just realized how I could do it better. It's like, <laughs> what the heck? It's so cool how those things happen. Right? So anyway, really I, I, the, the, I, I've always said this, um, like we have such an advantage working with such a range of kids because when we see what works for a seven-year-old and we know that it works for a 21-year-old, it's so helpful, right? Because then I get to it say is. it to the 21-year-old like a seven-year-old needs to hear it. Um, you, no, no I, I, was, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. And, and so you think about some of the bias that um, somebody that's been stuck in pro ball forever, like what they might not understand because they just haven't had to make it happen with an eight-year-old, like, or even just like throwing BP to an eight-year-old. You see some of the BP that some of these big leaguers get, like that ain't working with an eight-year-old, right? Mm -hmm. And so it, and so kids challenge us to, to really understand how it's going to work because by the time they're 18, 19, 20 years old, right? They've already been molded and you have to just like say it how the, you're going to say it and they're going to have to figure it out or not. Where kids, it just, it, there's so many more variables and I don't know. I just get, I, I really, really enjoy um, learning from young, young kids. Cause they just, they're, they just do the weirdest things, right? They do. They're not self, I'm on the they're same not, boat. Yeah. They're not self-conscious. I mean, uh, when, when Matt, do when this Matt asked me, uh, when Matt asked me to be the coach for our youngest group, our first group coming in, which is 11 U, I kind of scoffed at it at first. I was like, "Ugh!" like I've, I've never coached. At it. So I, I don't know if you guys know, I was in, uh, in college baseball for seven years. I coached in college baseball for seven years. I took a year off and in that year off, that's when I met Matt. And the second I started, he's like, work with our high school guys, with our prospect guys. So I started working with the prospect guys. I fell in love with just the player development aspect of the organization that I said, I'm never going back to college. Like, this is awesome. Right. But then this past year for the first time, he asked me to not work with high school kids. He's like, can you work with the 11s? I'm like, ah, golly, like in my head, I'm like, not really. No, I, I really don't want to, but I'm thoroughly enjoying it because they like provide so many different aspects that I just would have never thought of if I didn't work with them. I think it's awesome. It's yeah. Yeah. Um, and even 11s getting onto that point where they start getting a little too cool for some things. So I have, uh, my, my girlfriend's five-year-old. I say this story all the time, but I, it, if it hasn't been on the internet, now it's officially on the internet. Huh? We were doing a, we were on a walk and he was walking like this. And when you do that, your head stabilizes. And so that one little recognition that that was a cool little move has shown me so much about every other move that I make. And I, and I'm literally doing that nonstop now when I walk, 
because of course you should, right? So the the twisting out of the foot like that, that's that's the strongest way you could be, right? You know, do you know that some of the kids who bounce when they walk? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, okay, so John was talking about, and some kids are like real extra, like their their calves are on all the time. <laughs> yeah. Right. But then you also have kids who just like they don't normally bounce, but when they get excited or when they're like, Yeah, I got this, they'll start being a little more bouncy. That's the glute firing and getting them to kind of torque out the foot. And and so that's how you move forward, by the way. That's how you move sideways, that's how you move all the ways, is you close up your joint and then you open it up. And, um, you know, I, 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 you don't see, you don't see a lot of college players walking around doing that on purpose. Now, what's cool then is now you have to have the abstraction. If you're a college player to see these things, right? You have to go, Hey, I'm really good at dancing and I suck at throwing. That doesn't make any sense. Right? Like I'm not applying these, this information to, to myself. Um, anyway, I'm getting off on a tangent there, but it's just, oh, I, I just get so excited because of their 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 naivety, right? And they're just like wonder with everything. You learn so much about throwing. Even, um, you know, oh, I've learned so much about I, – I didn't train a lot of young kids in Minnesota. I didn't like – I was like, if you're under 10 years old, like you really have to be serious about this. And we have so many 8- and 9-year-olds, and we have some 6- and 7-year-olds too that will come in from time to time. But what you see is the anxiety of the throw, right? So it's yeah. like, what what do kids, I've, and I won't go too deep into this, but I've talked about this many times on the show. The game of catch is like eighth grade reading level, right? So for a kid, kids can throw the ball now, right? Them catching a ball is going to take so much longer for them to understand how to do that, right? So a game of catch is horribly inappropriate to teach somebody at, to learn how to throw, right? So you get them in front of a target and you say, hey, go, Go throw this as hard as you can at that. Or like throw it to me. But their catching comes way after that. So when we teach them to do that and they don't have to worry about catching it, they learn how to throw so much faster at a really young age. Because right? they're not hampered by the other parts of the game of catch. Yeah, that's interesting. That's really interesting. I've never worked with anybody under the age of 11. So like yeah. I just, I've never I, had to. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in like it's – so obvious to me that um, so I, I don't remember exactly where I saw this. I think it was HBO or somewhere like that, maybe a um, real sport or something like that. But they were talking about tennis academies in, in France and how these tennis academies are getting three and four year olds. And now you have these um, you have uh, like the Premier League where they have their training camps for these young kids starting at three at four. And Manchester City was one of the um, organizations that was really into that. I remember seeing them on Amazon about that. But the, one of their guys um, who was 16 had a, basically at 16 reached the velocities, the run. I guess they do running speed in soccer, I guess that's which would make a lot of sense. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Right. Like there's like they, they have way more metrics and it's like running speed, kick speed and all this stuff. Well, they had a 16 year old basically be big enough and strong enough to be able to play in the Premier League. And they they all talked. He was too young. He didn't have the skill level, this and that. Well, this kid's holding his own. It's like three years now. So he's 19. I can't imagine 10 to 12 years from this when this kid actually is in the game for as long as he is. And it's just going to be. Just another, he's just going to be one of the greatest of all time. And I think about Trout, I think about Griffey, I think about all these kids, you know, Andrew Jones, like all of these dudes 
who came up right at like super young and you know that inside of the game of baseball that of course they failed at the beginning it's a whole different animal it's a whole different animal 10 years into it they're just be like yeah i've seen the whole i've seen the entire game and once you see the entire game like no wonder why Pujols is still hitting bombs at 40 like right. he don't want to run hard he wants to hit he's it over the, the fence, guy jog around the play baseball. Exactly. And you can tell he's doing it on purpose because he's got, you know, if you think about it, what did Pujols have issues with? He had major plantar fasciitis. He had major hip and knee issues, right? So he's got to gingerly ice skate over, you know, around everything to, to keep his health because he knows he's putting so much torque on that body when he's ripping the bat. Dude, and I've never thought about it. We think about him as like the goat, but I didn't think about that part. He's too closed. His hip joints yeah. are too closed. Now it's great for pop, but he never goes open, right? So he like, if you look at Trout, Trout's knees are like really out, right? His yeah, they are, locked yeah. in and torqued. But like, that was everybody. I just met a kid the other day. Who are you trying to be? Pools. Like, bro, you're like 16. You're trying to be an old man. But, <laughs> and and that, that's not fair, right? But it's like a lot of people have mimicked him. I mean, Freaking Tewksbury, how many times did he talk about it? Teacher man, like everybody's talked about pool holes. And then I've never drawn that correlation of like, he's probably had all those because he's too pigeon-toed. Yeah, and he's, he, you know, no one ever told him to jog like A-Rod out to short, you know? Right, <laughs> yeah, but seriously, Dude, right? A-Rod's, A-Rod's jog was just such a thing. I remember seeing like when, when I was in high school, like you could so tell sweet. there was a kid that was just like, Dude, this, you know, High socks, wristbands, sunglasses, eye black, and then here comes the A Rod jog, and he's just like, looks like he's jogging in slow motion all the way. Right, up. yeah. He's making these like giant bounding steps to everything. You're like, look at this kid. Who was this kid doing? You know. But you know, not learning what we're learning. You know, um, Cass. I don't remember who said this, but I really, really liked it to describe athleticism. But like, some of the best athletes in the game are the laziest movers, and it just looks like they're just not even trying. And that's what I think about with A-Rod jogging out of short is like, he's literally just like, how little effort can I put into this and just ride momentum? You know and what I'm saying? And think of the Mannies, right? Machado and Manny oh, Ramirez. Yeah, yeah right? for sure. So it's like, we're all grinding. I mean, Doug Latta talks about this, like quit grinding. Why are we grinding right now? Right? Let's, let's, let's remove that hashtag. Let's cancel that hashtag because right. it's like, you should really, really try to not do anything. I always think of forgetting Sarah Marshall where um, Paul Rudd's just like, do less. It's like, I'm not moving. Yes, less. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're doing too much. I'm sitting here. Yep, too much. Less is more. Um, but Yo, but it's, it's so true. And I've. Well, I was going to say, so back. So one more thing to cast, like oh. along the A-Rod thing, the pulsers, right? The little shakers, we call them maracas, represent momentum. No, in we don't. Motion. I know, but like, just joke about them. You know what I mean? Oh, I know, I, uh, I know. But that's where it made sense. Where I was like, "Oh, okay, I see." Like, this, it's just an auditory response to like confirming what locomotion is inside of your run. And so, like, you see, we see these kids with heavy feet, right? And we see these kids that you can hear them coming around the corner when they're running, right? Because no one ever said, "Like, have you ever tried to to be as floaty and like have as much momentum when you're running?" Have you ever tried that? You know, like, it, and it's so true, though. You know what I'm saying? Like, no one ever yeah, said that. That's so true. And it's like, so true. and if you think about coaching and what happens, like the sarcastic level of coaching and how negative they only identify the problem, it's the worst thing to ever happen. 
where they just go, you're heavy, you're slow. Stop doing that. Yeah, you have like, big feet. Big feet's always have, a good one. Right, He's the kid's got the creative capacity of a freaking crayon and has no idea what you're talking about. He has no clue. So you literally, like we're saying with seven-year-olds, you have to tell them what to do. You have to be like, see, if you like jump and bound like a deer when you're running, it's actually easier just to move. So Just to move, right. Like just, we're not even talking about running. We're just talking about moving. Right. And so you get these kids to understand these concepts at an earlier age. And of course, the Premier League produces a 60 year old monster. The kid's been in the program for 12 years. Right. So like it makes sense. I'm like, oh, yeah. I don't I don't know where I saw this because I follow so many freaking movement people. But uh, do you know who the soccer player Ibrahimovic is? I don't. No. Okay, so he's like I, the only reason I know this because my ex had an Ibrahimovic jersey. She was a soccer player, and um, she, anyway, he's forty, and they somebody just posted a video of him going like, um, how do you go like in like uh, what do you do like where you're just collapsing in all the way down to the ground? He did that knees to the ground at forty years old, and then just stood straight back up like a break dancer, like. And it's like, well, why is he still in the game? He's one of the, I think he's the one of the highest paid soccer players ever just because he's been playing forever. And I mean, that's what just, I hear the opposite end of it from John, right? It's like, I'm not talking Jamie Moyer right now. I'm talking like LeBron. I'm talking MJ. I'm talking the guys that did it forever. Really, 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 really well. That's, so. that's one of the, it's funny that you said that too, because one of the things I took from the last dance, I'm not sure if you've seen it, Juan, but um, I did, I watched it. his, his team around him just makes so much sense to the, the, the reason why he's the best. You know, he had all of the rehab people, but he did not, he didn't trust the bulls, which makes so much, he literally didn't trust the information and the help that he was going to get from him so much. So he had his own team outside of the bulls, whether rehab, strength, and he brought the team in, you know, when they start winning that first three-peat, you know, he's like, no, we're, you know what, I'm going to bring my guys in because I actually think their information is better and we're going to educate the Bulls. We're going to teach Scotty and Pippen and all of, you know, and Rodman and you, know, you got to be stronger. You got to be faster. And so he just, you know, that extra, I'm sorry, that extra gear of float when he jumps, makes so much sense to me because all he ever worked on was his jumping capacity, you know, and going through it. And if you go to his trainer, I'm, I'm not sure remember what it is, what his name is, but I, I can't imagine this guy hasn't been doing this forever. Oh, for sure. I think th those are like different implements when we watch different things like that. And I think why I really enjoyed the things that you guys do is that you just always bring it back and you just give it straight to the young kids and kind of going back to what you said with the, uh, the, the Manchester United guy and then Cass has been talking about, you know, teaching kids from the point that they're seven, just like all of these concepts just keep adding onto the layers that they're going to have their entire lives. And like you said, by the time that hopefully they play college baseball, they're going to be, they're going to look because one of the biggest problems with college baseball today, I get these programs from kids. They're like, Hey, this is the program that we're doing for the summer. I look at the program and it's so just cookie cutter black from like some of the best programs in the country. I'm like, what is that? Like, no. And I get these this question. I got this question from a parent. Like, how do you get connected with, like, all these D1 guys? I'm like, well, name recognition, Matt helps, right? 
But the second they start working with me and we start just kind of breaking the mold of what is cookie cutter in the game of baseball. And I start asking them to do like weird stuff. They actually like start enjoying it. They're so cerebral, right. With what they're doing that when you ask them to do all these weird motions and, and act in a certain way, going back to the jump rope or, you know, yoga stuff. And I start putting them into yoga poses. I'm like, all right, throw, figure it out. You know, it like just stimulates them. And uh, I'm just, again, just a huge believer in just getting kids to move in so many different ways that that's just going to benefit them going forward a million percent, tenfold. Yeah, and I, I know that, like, you know, we heard it a lot at the ABCA, and obviously we've had a ton of conversations since, but, like, it's obvious that the industry understands this, right? So the vests in our game are are teaching people to move better and are having assessments you know, as, as something that is pretty typical with people coming in. But I just think it's so, I, I just, um, and this is probably for the younger parents, just I suppose high school and younger, to be honest, is like, it actually doesn't need to be so prescriptive, right? It, yeah. If you're hearing somebody telling you like, hey, um, you got a weak core, so go work on that. It's like, why do I have a weak core? What are you talking about? Like, and, and you've alluded to this either, John said, just like uh, identifying the problem, but I just don't think it's like, I don't think it's that simple. If you have a weak core, you probably have a weak right leg and a weak left leg and a weak right arm and a weak left arm. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. like, you probably have all the things that are weak and they probably don't know how to move together. Cause I know that I'm just, I'm, yes, I, I, I it has helped that I have done strength and conditioning for a long time, but like, I'm not necessarily that good at being strong. That is just something that's recently really started making sense to me, right? The ropes have helped me. My friend Jason just simplifying things into open the joints and close the joints. These things have helped me at 31 realize how I can be stronger. It's not me training to be stronger. And this is, I'm looking forward to this conversation I'm going to have with my friend Sam Topping because I'm like, hey, are we training to be strong or are we training to be strong in weak positions? Because I want to be strong because of the positions I put myself in. Right. So mm -hmm. if I can punch you in the face that I want to know where that's coming from. I want to be in control of my movements, like know what, how, why I'm choosing to use my right leg and my right arm to punch you in the face rather than using my left leg and my right arm to punch you in the face. Right. I want to decide that, you know, and I would say I'll take it a step further. It's like you see football players doing this. How many hours and hours and hours do they study a film? They're, they're literally learning the technique of when that guard does this as a middle linebacker, I'm going to react exactly this way. Like you have other people training movement like that, recognizing that you can do it. And it's just so weird that, that we make it so much more complicated in our sport. So. Well, it's because, I, I, I mean, the, so, some of the, uh, this is a problem. Some of the pro guys, they're in certain organizations and they tell me what they're doing in spring training and what the clubs are asking them to do. Like the, the, the teams that are really good right now, to me, there's no surprise that they're really good. Just dive into how they run, dive into their hitting coordinator, pitching coordinator, and strength and condition coordinator and how they run things. And that will tell you exactly why they're so good at developing players. And like, I, like, I don't know. I don't want to mention like teams, but like, I hear what certain teams do. I'm like, no wonder you can't develop guys. It's not a skill thing. It's not a talent thing. It's just that it gives the game a bad rap because now those people that are quote unquote developing players in those organizations branch out 
and talk to parents and parents and other people talk to other people and it just spirals into doing into saying well that organization does this so we're going to do that even though they're doing it so poorly so poorly and, and i also think it's obvious when people are just copying and, and the problem with copying is you never ever get it right your interpretation is always wrong we are all guilty of this there's no way of avoiding yeah. that you know and so you have to create something like that is genuine and, and unique to and you. organic Yes, totally. If you, can, if you can come off organically to your players, even the worst program they'll get results with. Like totally. even the worst. I, I say that all the time. Like I don't, there, there are certain things I, I mentioned this. I think I posted a comment on John's Instagram once. Um, you know, you guys call it uh, K throws. I, I, when I was in college, we did them all the time. We just called them tension throws, right? But you guys have opened my eyes two or three steps even further on why we did it you know so it's like it felt now I, I look back i'm like all right my it almost feels like my pitching coach just liked the drill didn't know what it was for just called them tension throws and we just did it and he was copying somebody while you guys have like this true understanding of why we do it and how we do it and then the more i started following what you guys were doing i'm like oh my god this is why i was doing this between 2007 and 2010. You know, yeah. these are the reasons why. It's not like, all right, you just need to go out there and do eight eight K throws. You know, then it's just I, I, I'm totally with you with the whole copying aspect of it. It's just it can't be just like this binder that we just open up and be like, Oh, that's it. That's what we gotta do. You know, and I and I say that kind of speaking out of both sides of my mouth, because I'll also say, and I don't care about organizations. So like the Minnesota twins being a Minnesota guy. I, I knew minor leaguers in the Twins organization. I worked for Gene Lurkin, like two times World Series champion. He can go sit in the game whenever he wants, right? Freaking royalty. And it's like I knew what was going on. And it's, I think it's the Levine. I might, that might be a reporter. I'm terrible with names like this. But whoever they hired from Cleveland at the front office um, back three, four years ago, that was immediately when he started hiring people who knew what they were doing, right? They got a ton of Eric Cressy guys. They had people like it just made so much sense how they were like doing right. this. And then, um, and then well, obviously the West Johnson hire, right? Like all of this stuff, it's like, they're just simply putting people who have already been competent in positions where you need to be competent. And it, it just, it, it's really scary to me to see that it's still happening at the big league level where they do not see this or they're just Dude, copying. so many teams. They're copying and, and, but, the lack of communication, the, the greed within coaching staffs of trying to attach their name onto a player. Like, it just you can just keep going on and on and on and it's like no wonder that organization can't effing produce a player from its minor league system well and think about what the, the kind of baseball that is birthed out of that because what is going to be okay so you're you uh let's say you you're not in baseball one okay and you're you are going to you have a son and he's 10 years old and there's a camp you're going to the freaking Boston Red Sox camp, aren't you? Or wherever you're going, right? Yeah. It's the New York Yankees. It's, it's, it's whatever your hometown team is. Like, you're going to believe that. Like, when I was a kid, going to a Twins camp was the coolest sounding thing ever. I had a buddy who went, worst best friend, John. Worst best friend went to the Minnesota Gophers camp. Minnesota Gophers haven't been relevant in baseball for, like, hundreds of years. Until, like, two years ago when they decided to, like... like and, and it was seriously. It was like they hired... Um, I don't need to name names, but they were hiring people who were driveline right. guys. They were, they, they were informed. They cared. Um, and that's all it took, you know, and, Isn't it wild? But, but the, 
but the point is, is like that will permeate an entire like industry that will permeate an entire like region of the country, right? The Minnesota Twins, what you have the Brewers, you have the Twins, you have the Cubs, and then like where are the Dakotas going, right? Where's Montana, Wyoming? Like who are they following? Like so, it's just like that is huge. These kind of ideas are going to have a huge impact on it, and and the financial repercussions of these things. I, this is what I don't get. It's your hometown. So if you have the best people in the game being your coaches, then you should give that information to the people in your region of the world because we all know we're all stupid enough to screw it up and steal it anyway. So give it to the people so you have a better chance of your region producing people that are good. Like it's it just so – it makes too much sense to me that I don't understand how they haven't made this connection earlier because financially – it's irresponsible for them not to care more about development because of them thinking of the product 15, 20 years down the road. doesn't make any sense. No, I totally agree. I totally and it might agree. be five years, right? The, the implications of that can be five years. Who is the Seattle Mariners guy that just made his debut after pitching in Minnesota? Did you see that thing on Pitchers Nation? No. Dude was pitching in amateur baseball in Minnesota four years ago, and he just made his yeah. debut for the Mariners. Right. So oh, what cool. can happen in five years with just better information? Like you could obviously train, right? Did you see his motion too, by the way? Yeah, that's goofy. Right? Yeah. It's the full on like from the hip weird like hunching ninety-three yeah. coming out of nowhere. Yeah. Like it's so full on different angle. You know? So you but, gotta go by check the way, it that, out. That can only happen in Minnesota where it's just <laughs> Yeah. I, it's I crazy because go ahead. I was going to say, just up here in the Northeast, I think one of the more sorry excuses that you hear up here is that, well, we don't produce players because of the weather, which I say BS to 100%. I think you guys are from Southern California, right? So they're probably, you guys produce players left and right. And the fact that people up here want to blame the weather for not producing players blows my mind because I swear, if we flew you guys here and we just quietly entered baseball facility after baseball facility after baseball facility, you would not leave and say New England doesn't produce baseball players because of weather. New England doesn't produce baseball weather because they're uh, baseball players because they're stuck in like 1955. You know, like it's, and it's the biggest pet peeve I have when I talk to people from up here because really the only players that we produce are arms. And it's just like randomly, you might have a kid who's 95 and just because he exists to be 95. And he's from New England. And we're like, oh, great. You know, we just produced the guy. It's like, no, you didn't produce anything. Like, he just freaking, that just kind of happened. Like, we have a kid right now. His name's Thomas White. He's the number one player in the country for freshman high school. He's a left-hander. He's 95. The kid was 91 miles an hour as an eighth grader. He just sprouted. Like, if you just, if you saw him and you saw the people that he worked with and stuff like that, like, it's just coincidental. Like, he's, we're going to have all this pride because this kid's the number one kid in the country but we're not coaching him up to the point that he needs to be. But like that, that's the biggest cop out out here is we don't produce guys because the weather isn't good enough. It's like, no, we don't produce guys because we don't care enough to change our ways to coach guys in a better, more efficient way to produce players. Sounds know? like you need us to come out there. Dude. It, <laughs> I, I but it's, but it's everywhere I, though, right? It's everywhere. No, exactly, and so here yeah. there's just, the kids are, kids are just playing more. So they're better here because they play more. Like it's that yeah. simple. The information is almost as bad. Well, and you know what? Honestly, you know, I think we pulled a, a little one over your eyes, Juan, because uh, neither one of us are from Southern California. 
I'm from Florida and he's from Minnesota. So we're transplants to the area. And so we have a different lens from what it is. And so, you know, um, uh, it's interesting. San Diego is the number one baseball market in the country, but it's not based on training. It's based on games played, which if you think about it, like, what are we, what are we talking about? You know, yeah, that's like, that's really interesting. So then the conversation then switched to, well, then how many more can we have? Exactly. Yeah. Right? And, and so that's yeah. what it is. That's why that's why everybody, you know, and, and there is a factor to experience there. Right. There there's you know, if you play 25 games a year and you play, 20, you know, 250 games a year, obviously there's going to be a little bit of a different thing. But to your point, like you're saying, it's not like New England doesn't produce people. You know, right. And so what what is the actual answer to becoming, you know, good well, to the game? Right. OK, but this is how many kids like this. It, this is what I was talking about at the beginning of the podcast. When's a good time to take a break? And it's like, well, in the winter. Right. And that's what people do. And it's like, yeah. no, that's a terrible idea. So you can now be like struggling to find your your feel in your arm and your pitches by the time your first game happens in March and April. You know, it's like uh, it just makes zero sense. It's so it's so catastrophic. Um, or, or when I, or exactly when we hear, you know, I heard a college kid the other day ask me a question about throwing, and he he came back with, well, you know, I've been really grinding, you know, uh, all the way up until now, and I just got back from my summer season, so I'm gonna take like a month to six weeks off, and and really no. just, you know, let the body recover and go back. And I looked him dead in the eyes, and I said, could be the worst mistake you've ever made. Just want to tell you right now from a guy who did it, who did the month to six weeks off and then had the reprogramming issue happen and then got swindled and then never got it back, right? Went completely, look at it exactly as the thing. I know the conversation I had with my my college head coach my senior year. I remember it to the T about, yeah, the, you, you had a lot of innings. We need to we need to calm you down. We need to give you the time, let your body recover, get into some rehab stuff. It sounded great didn't happen didn't work and then you how many guys do you know Juan? shut it down and then what happened dude <laughs> their arms blow up yeah their arms just blow up it's just how and just like the process that i i one of the the big things around here is guys don't um ramp up properly and then they just want to be a hundred percent ready to rock on on day one without doing anything leading up to to that point and um i mean we have guys that i work with that come in and I ask, I, I do a Q and a with everybody and it's like, wait, so you have the aspirations to be a division one player, but you just took eight weeks off because you want to recover from what, like 20 innings over the summer. Like, huh? And like you said, now, since you have that information, you have those experiences, you can look that kid square in the face and say, that's the, that may be the worst mistake you're going to make, you know? And what, you gotta live why, with it, buddy. Yeah. Why wouldn't you keep your arm in midseason form all the time? Like, why would all the time? Like, all I don't understand. Time. Like, where, where, you know, when, when you feel the best, like, right, when you can go 120, 150 pitches, you know, I had and a you're coach like, argue with me. I had a, a, another trainer argue with me and like tell me that I was being unsafe because I implement 100% days in like December. And he's like, what are you doing? That's not the way you're doing. You're going to hurt these guys. Blah, 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 blah. And like, I mean, once, you know, every kid may be different, but once he's physically fit and ramped up properly, like why the heck not? 
that's what I kind of responded to. Like, why the heck? You tell me why not. If he's ready to do it and we worked for six, whatever, six to eight weeks, let's just say, to get him to this point where we can implement multiple 100% days into our weeks, like, what's the negative here? What is it? You're you're asking a power lifter to, to take an eight-week period off and just, you know, ask him to pull 600 pounds out of meat after like no that's not how it works we uh it's so funny you said i love that you said power lifter we, we have uh um a friend Cass and i do from the previous gym they were at her name is uh karina and she goes by quadzilla okay on instagram she's oh, wow. amazing okay. she's, she's amazing she's a world record holder in binge and squat and for the time that we were at this previous gym you know it was you know impressive to be like hmm okay she would finish a competition and two days later be right back in there prepping yep. and being ready for another one. But she'd also be destroyed, you know, from that competition of, you know, deadlifting 700 pounds and squatting, you know, 500. It was crazy watching her do these feats. But knowing what the taxation that goes into the body, you know, to produce that kind of output, how exhausted she is, like to me, I'm like, oh, you just had an extended start. You threw 130, <laughs> 150 pitches. You got to come in yep. and do your stuff start moving around, start getting things to feel better, fi figure out maybe, you know, maybe, maybe something went wrong in the lift or maybe went wrong in the outing and you started feeling something in the hips. So you got to feel it and, and try to get back to it, you know? So I, a lot of these, it, that powerlifting idea and the, um, there was a West side barbell documentary that I watched a long time ago and it, and it just made so much sense. And that's actually how we do a lot of our programming is with the conjugate method with 120, 50. And it just make, it's just so easy to get kids around that RPE idea where it's like, today's a 20% day as in 20% of your power. You may not throw 20% of your velocity. Like it's a, you know, it's really hard to throw 22 miles an hour. Right consistently right but you kind of understand what that idea is right maybe stay under 60 miles an hour today on your throws and just kind of easily get through it you know so the the more like we we're saying the more education we can put in this the better no a hundred percent with you and and just keep throwing guys if anybody's still listening like keep throwing just keep doing it all right, Juan. Well, listen, we, we've attacked this far beyond what we were going to. We're at an hour, 25 minutes now. So, hey, whatever. you know, it was a great conversation. We got to do this again um, real quick. Why don't you let everybody know at home, you know, how they can follow you, where you're at um, location wise, you know, obviously with Antonelli baseball, yep. um, but just help us out. Yeah, for sure. So uh, I'm with Antonelli baseball. So you can go to AntonelliBaseball.com. There's a work with us. Uh, tab there if you did want to work with us and you can follow me on basically any social platform just type in uh, Juan Cerro that's my handle just about everywhere and it's just my first name and the last part is C-E-R-O and that comes because I wore the number 10 in college so everybody just called me that <laughs> nice Nice. Nice. Cool. Yeah, guys, he's a great follow post some amazing content. Um, you know, we've reached out communicated enough. I'm glad we've had this conversation extensive. You know, it seems like we a lot of have the same ideas about all this stuff. So it's always great For to sure. get a like, like-minded guy that we've never met from the other side of the country that weirdly we're all saying the same thing. You it's know, a beautiful and thing. And I super appreciate I, it. I, lo I love the internet now these days because, you know, as much as you want, you know, everybody to learn everything, it's just, it's just really hard to fight a lot of these old ideas and a lot of these movement ideas and throwing ideas and programming ideas that 
at, at, to your Tommy John experience, to my elbow, to Cass's shoulder, we've all been through some weird stuff that people told yep. us that didn't exactly make sense. So mm-hmm. I think our experiences on this are, are valuable to people. And I appreciate you coming on here and, and just dropping some knowledge for us. No, thank you very much. This was awesome. All right. Appreciate it, guys. Don't forget to check out cutternation.net. If you have any other questions, check out our online store. Please rate, review, and subscribe and smash the like button if you like this. You can find this on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, all the good stuff. So we'll tag you guys in some stuff from there. Appreciate it, man. You can Juan, tell, you know, t- tell Antonelli we said hi as well. We had him on. Also. I will. We, yeah, we, we, we should get him one. back on too because his uh, audio was yeah, All for janky. sure. So you, you're going to sound real crystal clear, Juan. So appreciate it again. Thank you yeah. very much, man. All, All right. right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. See ya.